good afternoon, good night, good evening. I always say because you know the time zone around the world. Some persons may be watching us now, and you're you're in the night, right? Really, and um, at this time when I'm recording this podcast, it's only seven o'clock, seven p.m. ET here in Florida, Merrimar, Florida, to be exact. This is Kenyut Exploration, your topic in the podcast. I am Dr. Kenyut White. You know, a lot of times we go through life and we need to think positive, not only as individuals, but as business leaders. And there are some experts who can assist us in dealing with positivity, the, you know, creating positive change changes within our lives. My guest today is going to be talking to us about that sort of positivity for organizations and individuals. And we're going to be talking about a thing that he, a concept that he calls um, sparks, you know, sort of a spark concept. It, it, it speaks to, to changes, positive changes. But Rick, my guest, will tell you more about that and how we can create this sort of positivity, this sort of change in our life, in, in our mindset as we move away from the pandemic, which we, sh- we, sh- we gradually moving away from it, that change our life, uh, our lives over time. And now we are gradually moving away from it. How do you create that, that positivity that, you know, how do you initiate that positive change that you'd want in your organization and in your life? I will now invite Rick to, to talk to me about that. <laughs> Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Dr. White. Thank you very much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure right. to be here. I'm going to pull you a bit, Rick, because we need to know who is Rick? Who is Rick? Let's <laughs> talk about you first. Who are you, sir? Well, uh, thank you for asking, for, first off, for wanting to know more about me. But I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, very, uh, I'm a very simple man. I'm a father, a uh, father of three, three beautiful daughters, and, and my wife, uh, Tanya, we've been married for 26 years. I'm a family man. That, that's, that's the biggest, you know, most important thing in my life. And above that, um, I'm the founder of iSpark Change. And iSpark Change is an organization to empower others to spread positive change and elevate social impact around the world. And um, that's, that's what I've been working on since 2020 when my life changed significantly um, like it did for a lot of us. But um, okay. at that time, I wrote a book uh, that had been in my head for 20 years. And it was my first book. Uh, I'm working on a second one, but that was my first Ooh. book. So I'm an author as well. And um, and a coach. I, I coach others, work with uh, individuals, help them to grow their business and help mm. them to um, add the impact component of, of purpose and, and passion to their to their work to make a difference. Yeah, others. I love that. I love that, Rick. You know, I, I there's a question that I always ask my guests. If you, you have watched some of my episodes, you perhaps would, not, would know what, what the question that I'm going to ask as usually not on my guest's mind. Um, and Rick, childhood, tell us about Rick at seven, Rick at 10, Rick at 12. Talk to us about that. Well, my, the young Rick, okay, so let's say the Rick at seven, he was still trying to, uh, he was trying to get some attention because I'm the youngest of five. I had four older sisters. 
Now I was the, the, the first boy. My parents decided that they would uh, keep trying until they got a boy. So I was the first boy. Oh, cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I had my four older sisters and, and I was just trying to, to see where I fit in and, you know, being the youngest, trying to get, get attention from my family. My father worked a lot. They were both, my parents were disciplinarians. So okay. I, you know, education was a big thing and faith was a big thing. And at set at, you know, that that's where I would be probably at, at seven and, and even 10. I think I was just trying to trying to make friends. You know, I was kind of a chubby little kid and, mm -hmm. and I was, um, you know, just wanted to have some friends and, and be accepted. I, mean, I was kind of always looking for acceptance, as, as a lot yeah. of us do throughout life. You know, yeah. we, we want to be part of the, the tribe. We want to be yeah. part of, of the society. And and so, uh, you know, as I grew up as a, as a young child. And then as a teenager, it, it really was about acceptance. But as, as I became a teenager and going into like high school and everything, I, I really started to shine as a, as a leader. Okay. Um, well in, in sports and in student government and in different capacities, that's where some of those kind of leadership qualities really started mm -hmm. to come out. And I don't know if it was from being the youngest or it was just from some of the things that I had learned from my parents about, about leadership and and about serving others, but yeah. and our faith, which we which we um, was an important part of of my growing up, but yeah. but that uh, that started playing a big role, and then and that played a big part in my development, you know, kind of right. as a yeah. as a young man, in when I started to work in in yeah. business, um, in different roles to to take on different leadership roles and and. Uh, to help train others and, and yeah. help develop them and make them better. Right. So you you know you're perhaps you have heard about the concept that the child is the father of the man, and and it's basically your childhood sort of a mold you into your adulthood, and and it seems like you know as a, as a child leader, right? You you have become the sort of a leader you are now in in as an adult. But I I'd like to ask this question, Rick about how did you almost kill your family i heard that somewhere talk to us about that yes it's a it's a crazy story dr white and it, it was about 21 years ago so and now currently i live in in texas but at the time we were living in southern california where i'm yeah. from and my wife is from and yeah. And we were a young family. We had two daughters at the time. We now have three, but we had two daughters that were very young. They were one and yeah. four. And we had uh, driven south from where we lived um, about two and a half hours to go to a birthday party. Mm. And we were coming back from the party on a Sunday afternoon, much like today, Sunday afternoon. It was right. just late in the afternoon. And we're coming back from a, from a birthday party. And it started to rain really, really hard. And in Southern California, it doesn't rain like that typically, but, yeah. but it started to, I mean, maybe in Florida, you're used to that or in Texas, we are yeah, but, really, yeah. but in Southern California, not much, but, but it started raining really hard. And, uh, there was a lot of cars that had pulled over because it was really tough to see when you were driving. Yeah. And we thought about pulling over, but it was getting late and it was getting dark and we didn't want it to, you know, we thought if it, if it got dark, it'd be, it'd be worse. Right. And mm -hmm. we had to get home. It was Sunday, like I said, and the kids had school and, and we had work and mm -hmm. and we were we were um, cautious. But, you know, I was probably a little a little cocky at that at that yeah. young age, you know, because I, yeah. as I said, I was uh, 
part of me being a leader in sports was being very competitive. <laughs> and so, yeah. I was, you know, maybe a little cocky or arrogant. Mm -hmm. And so we, we continued on driving and all of a sudden, so we were driving in the, the first lane in the slow lane. And all of a sudden I hit a, I don't see it. And I hit a large puddle Oh. and we start hydroplaning and I lose control and we mm. start spinning just in circles out of control and we spin across four lanes to the left yeah and we're about to hit the center divider and i'm trying mm. to steer and i'm braking and i'm screaming and my wife is screaming and the kids are you know they had been asleep and and mm. and then for some reason we don't hit the center divider and we yeah. spin the other direction and we go across four lanes the other way and we go off the shoulder and we go up a dirt embankment and we hit a brick wall and we flip over completely um, yeah. and land back on the wheels. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And, wow. And, wow. And, <laughs> and the the roof is smashed down to here oh. and the glass is all shattered and the, the right side is, is, is all smashed and the glass is shattered and the car's filled with glass and dirt and, and every stuff everywhere. Hmm. And, I quickly check my children yeah. and they're okay. They're crying, but, but they, they don't, they're not cut from the glass or they, they seem to be right. okay. And my wife is, is okay. Yeah. And we crawl out of, we crawl out of my door mm -hmm. and uh, this uh, older couple had pulled over. They had witnessed the whole thing. Right. And they pulled over and the lady wrapped this big blanket around my wife and my wife is mm -hmm. sitting on the ground, just holding my daughters in the yeah. pouring rain. And the gentleman tells me, he says, that's the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And he tells me that he thought we were, we were killed, would have been killed, that yeah. we, should, we were killed for sure because of what the car looked like. It was, it was just so smashed. He thought we were, you know, we were dead or, or very harmed. And, yeah. and he had called 911 and, and the car was towed away and, and we went and were checked out in the hospital and everything was fine. Good. But, yeah. but the next day, the next day, Dr. White, when I went to pick up our things, because the car was towed away. So I went to the impound place to pick up our things. Yeah. And the, the, the car is sitting on a tow, a tow truck outside, a flatbed tow truck. And I go mm -hmm. into the office and I tell the attendant, I say, um, you know, sir, I'm here to pick up my things from this black Grand Prix outside. And he looks me straight in the eye and he said, that's not your car. <laughs> and I said, yes, that's my car. Yeah. He said, no, whoever was driving that is dead. And it kind of took, threw me off guard by what he was saying. And, and I said, no, that's my car. What do you mean dead? Yeah. And he, he told me, he said, no, I, I, I see hundreds of cars. And, and every time I can tell what happened to the driver by the look of the car. <laughs> yeah. And that's the car of someone that, that should have been killed. And I said, well, you know, I, I'm not. And my, me and my family were fine. And I convinced wow. him it's my car. But after him saying that and the other gentleman who had told me, you know, what they had said, I, I really felt like it, we were, you know, some kind of miracle. Like we were blessed that, that yeah. we, we didn't have a scratch yeah. and that my, yeah. and, and I, I really felt that something special had happened that, you know, we could have been killed and that we weren't. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm happy to hear that, you know, and you know, I'm here talking to you and I'm really happy, right. That, that you guys, all right. You know, I, I wanted to know what the story about almost killing your family, you know, and um, 
it, it, it's really an amazing story. But how, how, how did that change your fate? Oh my gosh, that that had an immense effect on me and and my faith and, and just me as an individual. Yeah. After after the accident, I went through this intense period of of self reflection for a few months because at oh, yeah. first I thought, well, really, was it that bad? And then people kept telling me, and they'd see what the car looked like, and and my mom was saying, "Oh, your guardian angel protected you for sure," and yeah. and the, people saying it's a miracle. And, and as I, as I prayed and reflected about it, I, yeah. I realized that, you know, that we had been given a gift yeah. and, yeah. and I, when I was reflecting, I wrote a list of things that I wanted to, how I wanted to change my life. Yeah. And these were ways that I wanted to live by. And I called it a yeah. to-do list for every day. Yeah. And it was, mm. it had things on there like being grateful and being present and treating my others with respect and, and um, cherishing every moment with my family yeah. and living as if at any day could be the last day of your life. Definitely. Yeah. And, and that it was, as I said, you know, I was a young man and we were still kind of figuring out being parents at that time, but yeah. that really shifted me to be more focused on my family and to be more focused on them and and really really um mm -hmm. showing god that that i appreciated the gift that that we had been given that we were still alive yeah yeah you know it's it's a it's an amazing story and again i'm really happy that you're you're in your family and um well not happy that you have experienced it but happy that they, they, you have overcome the experience and you know you know and um really are here with us today right i'm happy for that but rick what motivates you to write this 12 hours of heaven is that a part of the motivating factor that that accident yes absolutely absolutely dr white and because when i was going through that period of reflection i i would find myself just kind of daydreaming or, or, or thinking for long stretches of time. And, and I had to drive for work. I had a territory. I was in sales. I had to drive for work. So I had gotten another car and, and I was, would be out. And sometimes I just sit in my car and, and like I said, reflect and think. And one day um, my mother gave me this little angel pin to, yeah. to stick in my car and I put it on the visor. And one day I'm sitting there staring at this little guardian angel pin. And yeah. all of a sudden, this idea for the story that would become my book yeah. hit me like that. Like I had just watched it like a movie. Yeah. And and I thought, wow, this is a pretty special story. Um, I should write this. And back then, 21 years ago, I started writing and I wrote about a page only. Okay. And then I just didn't continue. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just went back to life and, and kind of forgot about it really. Yeah. And then in the past few years, I had been thinking, I, I really should write. I, I, I felt kind of this calling to, to write a book. I, I felt that it was coming time. And, and in 2019, my, my father, um, who was 96 at the time, he had, um, and we were very close, and he he uh, had a fall. He had a bad fall. Right. 
and he had to go in the hospital. And when that happened, um, I went to visit him and I told him, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about writing a book. And he was so happy and, and yeah. he, he loved to read and he was so happy. And he got so excited about it that he, he called the nurse to tell her, he pushed the button in the hospital to, call the nurse <laughs> to tell her that, that I was going to write a book, that his son yeah. was going to write a book. And, and so I thought, you know, I really need to write this. And, and then he ended up passing away a couple months later because he okay. couldn't recover um, from that fall. And, and then the following year in 2020, when the pandemic hit and everybody goes into quarantine and all of a sudden we find ourselves with a lot of time, I, I realized that that time was again, was another gift for me to, to use to write my book. Yeah. And, and that's when I decided to to write the book. And and the, the book is a fictional story about an yeah. angel that comes down from heaven and he okay. helps 10 people with the most difficult challenges they have in their lives. And they're trapped oh. in an elevator for 12 hours overnight, which is why the title is 12 Hours of Heaven. But but the inspiration came from me feeling that, you know, angel had protected us in our yeah. accident. And he had yeah. helped us when we needed, um, you know, when we needed help. Yeah. And, and that's where the, that's where the, you know, the motivation for the story came from. And, and that's where, you know, why I decided to write it in, uh, in 2020. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great, I, I, I'd love to read the book. I, you know, I, I love to, to get the book. It seems like a very interesting book. All right. <laughs> um, you're listening to Kenyut Exploration, your topic in the podcast. I'm Dr. Kenyut White. Those of you listening on your favorite podcast platform, uh, you, you should be also watching uh, on YouTube channel, Kenyut Media, right? See the video version as, as soon as possible, talking to, to Rick, and he, he, he's telling us a, a very wonderful story. But, but Rick, let me ask this. You, you have talked about the, 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 the accident. You have talked about your book and and oh what motivates you as it relates to the book but your story is your story more than the, the accident uh, is there more to your story yes absolutely absolutely dr Hello. white because when i started writing in april of 2020 i i had never written a book right so i just started writing very systematically I, I actually Googled what some tips on writing a book and it says, you know, write every day and write consistently and set a goal every day words, right. you know, write for two hours or a thousand words or something like that. So I set a goal of 500 to a thousand words, you know, 750,000 words per day. Okay. And I started writing every day, every afternoon, just very, yeah. very methodically, like I said. Yeah. Well, as I started writing um, after about a month of writing, I found myself very spiritually connected and I, I felt I started having um, dreams and visions of uh, creating a, a better future and, oh. and that I was supposed to have to do more than just write a book that I was I felt I was being called to do more than than write the book. And my writing flourished my, my writing. I went from writing. 750 words in, in a day to writing over 2000 in a couple hours. Right. And, and I finished the book in under three months. And, uh, and I realized 
you know, when I, when I was having just so many ideas and I'd wake up at 3 a.m. with all, all these ideas and write things down. And, and that's where the idea for I Spark Change was born. Yeah. Because sparking change is a theme that's, that's woven throughout my book. Um, the idea of, of sparking change and making a difference. And that's where I felt called that I had to create more than the book. And so when the book, when I finished the book, and we published it a few months later in, in October. Right around that time, I created the organization I Spark Change. Right. And, uh -huh. and as I said earlier, the, the purpose of I Spark Change is to empower others to spread positive change and, yeah. and elevate social impact to, to make the world a better place, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where I decided to devote my time and my life to yeah. doing exactly those things. Yeah. And, and the book was just the beginning. The book was just um, kind of the kick, the kickstart for, for getting, right, uh, yeah. getting ice spark change. And, and now since then, since the end of 2020, that's what I've been working on growing, growing our community with ice spark change mm -hmm. um, on social media and online and, and doing what we can to spread positive change and to impact others and, mm -hmm. and show others how they can do it as well. Yeah. You know, you know, Rick, a lot of us had, had, had gone through many things, right? That's how the world is, right? Mm -hmm. And, and um, we, we learn from our mistakes. We learn from our experience. We learn from everything that goes on around us. If we choose to do that, because some of us still cannot learn, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I'd like to find out what are some of the lessons that you have learned from your, your experience along the way? Oh, wow. That's an awesome question, Dr. White. Th thank you for asking that because... It, it it starts with it really starts with some of the lessons that I learned. I, I'd say in that in that twenty years between the time when I had the idea for the book and the time when I wrote the book, and I think that's probably why I didn't finish writing it all those years ago is because I wasn't ready. I hadn't learned all those lessons. I hadn't gone through life and and grown as an individual and and grown in in. Um, my understanding of myself and, and quote unquote wisdom that yeah, you get yeah. when you, you know, go through life and you raise a family and you have all these mm -hmm. different experiences. And in, in my book, I, the subtitle is called lessons for a better world. Okay. And yeah. so the, the 10 characters, they're all, mm -hmm. they are all helped with a different challenge and in being helped with a challenge, they learn some of the lessons uh, that I had learned along the way. Yeah. And some of them are, are similar from that original to-do list that I had wrote myself, like, like um, practicing gratitude or being present. But then there was other lessons that I, that had been really foundational for me, like having faith or, yeah. or expanding my relationship with God yeah. or, um, or to, um, to serve, to serve others. Yeah. Because that's, and in the past few years, that's what's really grown for me is, you know, I've just I've created my purpose of loving and, and giving and serving others, because I, I think for for years I had been pushed towards that. But I maybe I resisted it or, or maybe I didn't fully understand it. And that's mm -hmm. where it all crystallized after the writing of my book and creating a vice park changes that that's my purpose. That's what I'm supposed to be doing and focusing yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, you know, Rick, 
Ice Park change seems like a good thing, and, and we're going to talk more about it. But our adversities are, are not for us. I, I often say that. It's, it's for us to, to help someone else. It's like, you know, train the trainer. So we were trained through our adversities to help someone else to, to come through. And, 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 and that's, that's critical for, for us as we ex have experienced. But the next thing, the legacy that you leave, the legacy that I leave, I write as well. And it's important that you write about you know, what you have learned. Uh, in order to, to help someone else leave that as a legacy for the next 50 years 100 years you know when when you and i are gone the next 150 years someone will pick up the, their book and say oh I, I you know this is what was learned and and therefore i can i can learn so I, I i appreciate you doing that you know we have to leave a legacy to change you talk about changing the world right mm -hmm. and, and and what impact your writing will have and and, and society eventually that's very important but spark i spark right what what is that all about it, you know this this i spark change talk to me about that talk to us about that yes and and just real quick dr white before i do okay, I, go ahead. I, I will say that i i agree completely about what you were saying about legacy yeah. And, and it's interesting that you say that because just yesterday I was writing a blog about that, about creating your, your legacy, because I feel that's so important. I feel that we're, it's our duty. It's our duty as human beings and, and as leaders and, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, people that to, to improve things for others and to, to leave the world better than, than we found it. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, and like you said, if it's someone that you impact 100 years or 150 years or five years or tomorrow, it, yeah. it, you yeah. impact those people, just one person that it, it makes a difference in, yeah. in their lives. And that leads that leads directly to talking about the spark. OK, yeah. so as I said, that the idea for sparking change is an idea that came uh, came to me for my book and is used in the book. And it's because. Like a fire starts with a spark, right? Yeah. And and some something small, it, the spark is just that little something that can create something much bigger and much larger. And yeah. what I what I call spark moments are those those tiny little acts in your life, those tiny moments in life where it could be something that someone tells you, it could be something that you read in a book, it could be something that you learn or that you teach someone else. And those tiny spark moments can have a huge ripple effect that go far beyond that initial act. So it's just like if you were to throw a pebble in a calm lake, um, that the ripples will continue, continue out farther than you can see. And as I've started on this, this path with iSpark Change and been talking to people from all over the world for the past almost two years, I've realized that everyone's life is filled with these sparks, with these moments that, for example, that you and I talking on your podcast right now, mm -hmm. that there could be someone that hears something that one of us say, you know, yeah. they may hear what you said about legacy and think, oh, I hadn't thought about that. I need to start focusing on my legacy. 
and and what I'm going to have, what impact I'm going to have for others. And that's a spark moment. That one little thing that, you know, we're just having a conversation, but that one thing Mm -hmm. goes on and affects someone's life in a much bigger, um, bigger way. And, and as I've, you know, as I've spoken to people, as I was saying, and heard story after story of these life changing sparks, these life changing impacts that have literally changed the trajectory, uh, the trajectory, excuse me, of someone's life, just one word or one sentence or one action. Yeah. And it completely changed someone's life in a totally different, different direction. And that's essentially what happened for me, yeah. whether it was the accident or whether it was 2020 where I decided to write my book. I mean, those, those small moments have yeah. a big impact that makes a, a big difference. And, and that's, that's the whole thing with spark with, um, yeah. for so, change right so just a spark right that's important but but i i saw something I, i've been you know looking at your website and i i, I saw social impact era uh, i i'm not sure how that connects to i spark change but um you're you were saying on the website that um these eras basically are everyday individuals like you and i and um, you know we make a difference in the world, whether through actions or our impact on you know their impact on others. Um, explain that to, to to the audience. Yes, and and I, I think it's important for people to understand that any of us can be a social impact hero. Any of us can make a difference on in the world and. And that's why I came up with that term social impact hero, because social impact in itself has a broad definition, whether it's you know, right. cleaning the environment or helping others, or it, it's just impacting society is the way that I look at it, a much simpler definition. Mm-hmm. And the way I see it is that, as I said, those actions, any of us can can do an action that's going to have an impact on another person, whether it's one person or 10 or right. 100 or a million. Mm-hmm. And it could be as simple as smiling at someone and changing the course of their day. And so we all can be social impact heroes. Now, the people that are highlighted on the website or on our podcast as a social impact hero, these are people that they are kind of going above and beyond. They are are doing work to leave that legacy that you talked about. They're people that are really making an impact and trying to help more people than, than just, you know, one person at a time, they're trying to help the masses. And that's why we, we call them a, you know, impact hero because they're, they're reaching many lives and impacting lots of different people in a positive way. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's two components. It's one that, that yes, any of us can be a social impact hero. We can all impact others. We just have to make that choice you know, to, to have our actions be be positive as opposed to negative, because it can be the other way, too. You can impact someone in a negative way. OK, um, yeah. that's number one. And then number two, it is that um, for a long time, I, I thought that I was just one person and I thought, what what difference can I make? And I think that's why I didn't do a lot of this work years ago is because I thought I'm just one person. How can I make a difference in the world? How can I change the yeah, world? Yeah. And and what I realized, and maybe you already know this kind of secret, if you will, Dr. White, is uh-huh. that 
as I said, anyone can change the world because yeah. my actions can have can have an effect on others. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, that changes the world. Even if you change one person, that changes the world yeah. in, in some way. And that's why it's not just spark change, but it's I spark change because yeah. it has to start with the individual. It has to start with all of us, you, me, each person. So right. as each of us go out there, we can choose to spark change every day and to mm-hmm. make the world a better place every day. Yeah. And you know, I, I well, I'm not a professor now in terms of um, teaching, but I, I used to teach a lot. I, I, I you know, teach at the university level and so on, you know, as a professor. And, and I know that in doing that, I, I change the world perhaps indirectly because those students that I had, right, had gone out there and, and, and make a, a positive, or fully positive, yeah, impact, <laughs> impact on society. And so um, that spark you talk about in the classroom, you know, spreads across, you know, through those students. You know, it, it's very understandable what you're trying to, to, to do, right? It's mm-hmm. high spark change. But is it an organization? Yes, it's it's an organization. It, it, it's it's not a it's not a, a charity or a nonprofit organization because when I started it, I considered starting it as an as a nonprofit organization, and I spoke to some friends that run nonprofit organizations, yeah. and they advised me against it because they said I would have limitations and in, in terms of growth and everything, and and the the second part of that is. And now, not that we make a bunch of profit or anything, because we don't, right. <laughs> but but, yeah. but in terms of of the next phase for iSpark Change is, so right now we're growing the community. We're growing the community on social media. We're growing the community online. And, you know, in our work with different businesses or individuals, we spotlight them. We have a podcast and everything just right. to grow the community, grow the awareness. The eventual goal for iSpark Change is to evolve it into a larger platform, a larger hub, social media type platform where it's connecting all these different individuals, these organizations, these groups, these nonprofits, these people like you that are impacting the world positively, but have them all in one place where they can support one another, where they can find one another. Um, because right now they're all spread out across the globe. You can start doing a Google search and, and find people, but to, to have one central place where you can search and put criteria right. and, and keywords and everything that doesn't exist. And that's yeah. what, that's what we want to evolve iSpark change into in the next five years. I like it. I, I really love it. Uh, oh, okay. others, you and I are spreading, you know, uh, creating sparks here, creating sparks there and so on. But how can the, the person listening to us right now, that, that man in his, in his living room, you know, trying to say, what can I do? What type of spark can I, can I start? And, and so on. So, so how can uh, the ordinary person spread some sparks here, right? Spread yeah, some yes. positive change. I love the question. I love the question because people ask me that every day. People okay. ask me that every day. How can they spread positive change? The, it, it's really just, it, it's a couple different ways. The first is to realize that their actions make a difference. So it's having that awareness that all of their actions make a difference. So when they leave their house and they're, they're walking down the street or they're driving to work, that those actions make a difference, whether they, they smile at someone on the street or they, you know, let another car in, in front of them in traffic, <laughs> right. like all those little things make a difference. They might, yeah. 
help someone get to work on time or you know, all those little things. It, it's first, it's about having the awareness. Okay. Yeah. And then the second thing, it's just, it's, um, seeking those opportunities throughout your day yeah. to impact someone in a positive way. Whether you tell a coworker that you say, Oh, I, I, I really like the way you look today, or your hair looks, looks nice. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you tell someone, you ask them about their weekend or, or really ask them how they're doing and, and, yeah. and really see what they're, what they're feeling and, and really get in touch with someone on a, you know, on a deeper emotional level. Yeah. But on, on icebarkchange.com, if people join icebarkchange, um, join the community, they get a free download of 25 okay. uh, creative ways to spread positive change, transformational mm-hmm. things that'll help, you know, help spread positive change. And, there's all sorts of ideas on there. You know, it's some of the things I just mentioned. Um, it can be reaching out to, to someone that you haven't spoken to in a long time. It can be leaving a note on, on, um, for someone to find, you know, at the gas pump. I mean, there's all sorts of yeah, things that cool. you can do, but yeah. So I, I sparkschange.com. If you go there audience, you will find some ways or you can start this change, you know, so go to, isparkschange.com, right? That, that, that link will also be in the description of this, this podcast episode. You will see it there. This is Ken Youth Exploration, your topic in the podcast. I'm Dr. Ken Youth White, talking to Rick about the, the, you know, how you can change or others, you guys who are watching, listening, can change um, the, the world you know, in a positive way, can change your community in a positive way, your family in a positive way. It's all familial as well, right? Not only um, as it relates to the yes. outside, it start from the inside. But it's critical. How can people be more positive though? Because you have to be positive to spread positivity. Do you think, Rick? Yes, absolutely. And and there's, you know, for, for some people, it doesn't come easy. And, and even even when, when the pandemic started and I found myself, I'm a very positive person individual right. i'm a very optimistic individual right but i found myself getting kind of negative when the pandemic started and we had we were yeah. in quarantine and lockdown and and i found myself getting anxious and, and depressed and worried about the future and, and i i was quickly able to shift my mindset by by starting to write and everything and, and that helped me but for a lot of people it's it's really difficult it's challenging they, they're in more of you know kind of a negative mentality and one thing that that I recommend is a is a psychology tactic called positive reframing, where you you take any situation and you find the silver lining, you find something positive out of that situation. So, for example, someone can get laid off at work. Right. And, and that, that would seem horrible to most people. Right. You're, you get you lose your job and, and you're laid off. And then in that situation, you can say, OK, well, now I have the opportunity to find a better job, right? Yeah. Now I have the opportunity to do something that I, you know, that I enjoy better. Mm-hmm. And it's taking any situation and looking for that, for that positive aspect in it. And, it, you know, it can take work depending on the situation, yeah. um, but you can find it in any situation. I promise you, if you just, if you take the time to, to yeah. pause and, you know, write it down and look for it, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So think positive. To spread positivity, because yes. if you think negative, you're going to spread negativity, right? Uh, that's important. But but you know, Rick, a lot of times we somewhat not seeing 
let me say it like this. There are times when we are with individuals and we are not able to read the mood of those individuals to see that something is happening, something is wrong, to spread that sort of a spark, as we want to call it, you know, to, to initiate that change, you know, to say, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Because we're not reading the, the mood well. Are you seeing that sometimes? Yes, yes. And, and that's where I think, and it's interesting because I, I, I was asked to contribute to this article about how you should ask the question, how are you? And answer the question, how are you recently? And, right. you know, my, my thoughts on that were to, to get away from, um, from that simple question that can be answered in a, in a yes, no fashion and to ask more of the open-ended type questions to say, right. you know, um, what are you feeling today? Okay. You know, and, and, and what, what about this, uh, you know, someone, oh, I feel great. Oh, well, what's, what's great about your day? <laughs> tell me about the great things that, that yeah. have happened today or I feel fine. Oh, well, tell me, tell me why it's not, you know, why it's only fine, why it's not great or awesome. And, and just to, to really get in touch with the feelings, with the, the feelings of what someone is experiencing and get out of those kind of programmed responses those pre-programmed responses that yeah. we all have, you know, when people, when people ask, but, but really start asking about the feelings and, you know, ask, ask more questions, seek to seek to get in touch with, uh, with that person at a deeper level, because that helps yeah. to build those relationships and, and you'll find you'll get so much more value out of the conversation and the relationship and you'll both feel better. Yeah. That, that's interesting though, you know, that you said that because usually, not only in Jamaica, you know, where, 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 where I'm from, uh, but usually when somebody asks, are you okay? Or are you? I'm good. But, but <laughs> deep inside, Rick, that person might not be good, but program response, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm good, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so you're right, ask open-ended question to sort of bring, <laughs> bring, bring out the true feeling or, you know, some aspect of the feeling that would suggest that there's something wrong and, 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 and perhaps you can create that sort of positivity for that person. Yeah. And the deeper, the deeper Dr. White that you, the deeper these conversations, the more you have these conversations, the more you'll be in touch with those individuals that you're close to. And the more you'll know that something is off, yeah. even if they say I'm good yeah. and you know, it's a friend, you'll know, well, are you really good? Cause I, I'm, I don't think you're, you're yeah. being honest with me yeah. and, and yourself right now. Yeah. And, and if you start having those open dialogues, then that's how people feel safe. And then they, they'll want to share deeper on yeah. a deeper level. Definitely. And I, and um, I love my audience to, to hear that and to you know, see if we can create this sort of change in people's life. You know, the sparks, as we would like to call it. And I love that. I love that. I want the interesting. It's amazing. But uh, tell me, what habits help you to live an amazing life? Oh, this is a great question. Um, because I'm a big fan of, of habits. I've, yeah. in, in, that's one of the ways that I work with people in my coaching is on creating habits. Because we do so many things as human beings by habit. If we had to think about everything we do, then our brains just couldn't couldn't handle the capacity, yeah. you know. So we have to, you know, we eat, we brush our teeth, we drive, yeah. we do all these things just <laughs> right. habitually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so for me, I've created many habits to to help me 
um, live an amazing life. It starts with in the morning, I, I wake up, I read scripture, I journal gratitude. So different things that I'm grateful for. And I'll read some gratitude and I'll journal different things that I'm grateful for and spend some more time in reading and reflecting and meditating. Um, the meditation is something that I've, I've only been doing. I've always wanted to do it and, and yeah. always thought it was difficult for me. And then I, I started it about five months ago and, and it, it, um, I love it, but, yeah. but those other habits, the, the gratitude is a great one. I begin my day scripture and gratitude. I end my day with, with, uh, scripture mm-hmm. and, and gratitude and, and, there's so many studies on the benefits of gratitude and, and positivity and optimism that show that you can literally rewire your brain and, and yeah. change your thinking by, by practicing gratitude. So that's, that's what I do. That's, that's the biggest one. The, the biggest yeah. one you know, would be to start and end the day. And then the other one would be to, um, to really practice what I preach. So all the things that we've yeah. been discussing mm-hmm. is on a daily basis. I, I, talk to lots of people on zoom and there's people that I coach and people that interact that I, I really um, ask them deep questions. I want to know, I want to know about them. I want to know right. who they are and what they have going on and, mm-hmm. and get a deeper understanding of what they're feeling. Um, because I think those connections, whoa, those connections yeah. um, help us to become closer and that closeness helps to spread a positive change as well. Yeah. Do you do you think, Doric, you know, we talk about habits and so on, but do you think that it's easier to form negative habits than positive ones? And how would you suggest to the audience, um, you know, to to form positive, uh, sorry, yeah, well, positive habits instead of negative habits? Yes. To, to answer your first question, I, I I don't necessarily think it's easier to create one versus to the one versus the other. Okay. I think for a lot of people, it's more convenient. Okay. okay? So maybe it's a little lazier to, to create the <laughs> yeah. negative ones, right. but, but look at it this way. Okay. So for example, if, if you, if you want to eat, um, eat better, eat, okay. eat cleaner, healthier food. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. You can say, oh, well, it's easier to just go through a drive through and get fast food <laughs> than to cook at home, right? right? right at at right. first glance, that seems easier, correct? Yeah. However, what's easy now is going to be very much more difficult later. Yeah. Because yeah. if you have health issues or you have medical mm-hmm. bills or, you, you know, you, you become overweight and, and you know, and then from that you have issues with your knees or your back or there, there's all. So you can take the easy now or the easy later. So it's, it's uh, for me, like all we we cook at home, we do our meal prepping, we prepare all that. So that'd be another habit to to (laughs) we do that and then an exercise and everything. And I'm, I'm envisioning that later, you know, that I'll live like my father, that I'll live a, a long, a long, happy life because I've chosen, uh, I've chosen, the habits, what others might say, you know, are not as easy habits. So when it comes to creating habits, one, one thing that I coach people on is if they ever have something that they consider a bad habit and they want to break it Uh is to replace it with a new, better habit, a new Mm. update, upgraded habit. 
Okay. Right. So for example, let's say someone, um, let's say someone, uh, smokes. Okay. okay? And I've never been a smoker, but let's say someone right. smokes, they can exchange the, the habit of smoking. They can exchange it with doing deep breathing exercises for five minutes and yeah. kind of meditating and, and doing that deep breathing in and out for five minutes because they're doing the same type of breathing. Right. So they've exchanged the bad habit for the good habit. Or if someone is eating, you know, too many potato chips then and they like the crunchiness, then change it for eating carrot sticks or celery mm -hmm. sticks or something. Mm -hmm. you, you've swapped one for the other. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a good way of you, you still kind of have the habit. You know, let's say you like, oh, I like chewing on something <laughs> when I'm watching TV. Well, you're just you're doing that, but you've just changed what you're yeah, what you're, doing. What you're doing. <laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. And, and and yes, bad habits, good habits, right? So, so that's not a concept. But well, you know, I would like to 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 take you up on something here. I I saw this somewhere. Seventy eight percent of consumers believe it's important for businesses to stand up for important social justice issues. But but you know, with that statistic and 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 the, another one, um, seventy percent of consumers believe that businesses have an obligation. To, to take actions to improve issues um, that may not be relevant to their everyday operations. And, and, and yes, I understand that. It, it, it basically speaks to um, organizations going out there and um, corporate um, citizenship, yeah? Corporate mm -hmm. citizenship, you know, sort of thing. But my thing is that many people out there are suffering, Rick. In the United States, in Jamaica, elsewhere around the world, and and yet still, businesses, companies, are not reaching out to them. Right, a lot of businesses, I suspect, do not have foundations, right, mm -hmm. uh, to to assist some of these people. So what what what's going on there? Are businesses becoming selfish? Most businesses becoming selfish, uh, and not reaching out in terms of being good corporate citizens. I think I think it has been that way, Dr. White, and yeah. I think it's finally shifting. So as I said, social impact has, has been growing and and the definition has evolved over the past few years, especially since 2015. And and so businesses have been shifting to be more aware, to to do more, to help communities, to help out in the world and, and support, you know, different countries and, and people that are less fortunate or struggling. Yeah. And, and it, it is shifting a lot and it's been accelerated by the pandemic. Yeah. So the social impact and this awareness of, you know, where people feel like the, the, the stat, you know, the quote you gave there that, that right. consumers feel that businesses have that obligation. Businesses used to fight that because you go back 20 years or, even 10 years, businesses would be about profits first, mm -hmm. profits, profits, profits. That's, you know, stock and shareholders and everything. And now it's really shifting. And I think it's going to continue to shift over the next five to 10 years to where businesses are now the ones that are having the most success are yeah. the ones that are focused on purpose and people. And then profits are last because when you focus on when you have a purpose and you focus on your people and growing your people, the profits come naturally. And, and that's what I, that's what I teach businesses that I work with. And that's what I teach right. is that you, you have to grow your people. You have to have a purpose and a legacy in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, 
and you do it that from a place of genuineness and, and from, you know, your, your heart, then with that, that's going to resonate with people like the, like the stat says, and yeah. your business will grow. And mm-hmm. so it, it is, it, it's not, we're not there yet. It, it is going to take time. You're right. There are, there are still plenty that are focused on, on um, profits, but you see big, large organizations like Nike or, or Pepsi Cola or that, that they are shifting and they're now, they, they have whole divisions focused on purpose and, and um, foundations and everything like you were saying. Okay. What's your contact? Can you tell us what your contact information is? <laughs> a- absolutely. The, the best place to, to, to reach out to us and stay in touch with, uh, with iSparkChange is to go to the website, which is the letter I, sparkchange.com. They can join the community there. They can send us a message. And then on any social media platform, we have a very active Instagram. We're iSparkChange on Instagram. Um, if people, uh, if they email me, if they, if they go to, um, if they email info at icebarkchange.com or they message me on icebarkchange on Instagram, I respond to every message. So they will, they will hear back from me. I promise they will get a message back. Right. And, um, in the description of this podcast episode, you will see some of the social media, um, link to iSpark Change, and you can contact Rick. It's um, very important. Uh, Rick, it's a, it's a very interesting discussion that, that we have had. I, I, I really thank you for, for coming on to Can You Exploration, your topic in the podcast. I enjoy talking to you, Rick. Oh, uh, likewise, Dr. White. It's been a pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation and um, excellent uh, questions and dialogue. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, Rick. So that was Rick. Uh, you know, iSpark Change is a, is a very important concept. Um, I love it, and you will love it too. So, so visit the iSparkChange.com and um, have a conversation with Rick now, right? Um, make an appointment, send him a, an email, and, and um, it's all about change, right? It's all about changing your life, in my life, the people around you, and your family life, organizational life. So it it was nice to have you um, watching, have you listening, and thank you very much for, for doing that. And goodbye.